So Tom, absolute pleasure to be with you here. We did our first podcast with you ever. And, and look at us now, you know? <laughs> um, so we're obviously not in the UK because it's beautiful weather, but um, it'd be great to talk a little bit about British Paddle and you know how, how the previous year has gone, or maybe even the previous couple of years since, since we did our last podcast, and what we're thinking is going to happen for the future. So, first of all, thanks for, for being on this, but let's do a little bit of a recap, maybe, of the last, the last couple of years. Like, how has this integration with the LTA gone, do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people might think, you know, it's grown a lot slower than, than we had hoped. However, I think it's been a little bit of a blessing in disguise because, you know, the, the growth within the UK, there's a lot of barriers. So it might be planning permission, building regs, um, you know, so projects can take a long time. Obviously, with COVID mm. in, the, in the midst of, of, of that you know, two-year period that we're talking about, um, there's been quite a few barriers for a lot of projects. So it's given us, given us a chance as the LTA to, to put everything in place and try and facilitate the, the, um, the forecasted growth. And now I feel that we've, we've you know, really been in a position to be able to do that throughout 2022. And I think you know, we've also put in a few... Um, you know, a few a few areas which are going to benefit the game long term, might you know from the co- yeah, the coaching pathway for, to the competition platform, and now we're in a really good um, yeah, it's a really good time let's say for the infrastructure that we do have for us to now start making greater investment, and you're going to start to see that throughout 2023. An example might be last year we had one FIP. This year we're looking to do four to six. Mm-hmm. So, and then prize money for our graded tournaments is is, is doubling. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's quite a few things that we're doing there in order to grow the pathway, and in effect um, provide you know a, a greater platform for for a wider um, depth of, of, of players coming yeah. in. And and I mean, I think it's I, I'm we're quite close, and I, and I spend a lot of time with you, so I see the work that is going on behind the scenes. But a lot of people don't see that and and you know you're talking about this integration over the last couple of years and there's been a a tremendous amount of work you know people don't realize that you're kind of trying to integrate with every different department within the LTA and you look at other countries and some have grown too fast if we look at you know Sweden as an example they they probably would have loved to have had the infrastructure in place before that that massive explosion and and I think like you say it is a blessing that we are going to grow a little bit a little bit slower probably but we will have those systems in place I hope yeah it will grow in a sustainable way and I think it is key um, you know a lot of people look at this as to you know the UK and maybe Germany being kind of the last two countries mm. to to catch on the, onto this paddle wave and you know it's true but I think there's just been potentially more barriers in, in our in our two countries compared to two others and also a lot of it has to do with the private sector right that's kind of really driving mm. that 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 growth and that's what exploded in Sweden um, you, you saw it in other countries such as the the Netherlands Belgium Italy um, and and France so you know th- and that's kind of represented a you know, a good 30-40% of, of overall total total paddle court growth and when you've got a tennis federation getting behind it you, you can you can touch into you know the, the existing resources to drive the game but you are still dependent upon 
the available infrastructure, so you know, total amount of courts. And if the private sector hasn't already driven that for you, you've got to address that. Mm. And you know, primarily our influence is within existing tennis venues. Mm. And we're already facilitating that growth as much as we can by offering interest-free loans over a flexible term. And um, that's why you're seeing it grow in a sustainable way. So, and, and now, you know, I think because all eyes are kind of on the UK and Germany, mm. the private sector is, has got so much potential right now and it's, it's really just going to flourish and therefore drive overall participation. And, and we know that that's going to come and we're ready for it. And that's mm. why we've had, you know, spent the last few years really putting everything into place so that we are ready for that, for that growth and, yeah. and expectations. And I mean, one, one thing with my time in Dubai, but it was the same in Sweden, is that I feel like the process goes, you know, a lot of people talk about the sport, they get very excited, there's awareness, PR, all of this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the process of building in those countries has been very quick. You know, they, they quickly throw up these these clubs and, and before you know it, you're thinking, oh, you know, we reached a point now and then they're struggling with competition and coach education, all of those, those side of things. And it's interesting because this year in, in the UK, or this year, 2022, it feels like it's been everywhere. You know, there's been a talk of it, there's been in all the newspapers, we've had celebrities playing and and, and everyone you speak to is is wanting to build a club or to, to do these things. And it's interesting because obviously planning permissions and, um, you know, talking to councils is a bit of a barrier, a bit of a hindrance for, for those wanting to do that. But like you say, it's slowed them down so but they are the ones that need to make that move so the lta is is really like you said a facilitator as opposed to they're going to do the work for you if, if you're building a club and that's that's probably quite important to yeah know. I, th I think i agree i think that's an important message um, and that's the role of a governing body it's to facilitate overall growth uh, you know and grow and measure participation you know initiate you know, minimum standards so you know, a lot of people maybe look at a federation. I think that's quite often the difference between the UK culture um, mm. versus other countries where maybe the private sector plays a more dominant role. And in the world of paddle, which, you know, presents a lot of opportunities in itself, you know, maybe it's branding around the core that creates a lot of interest from brands and, you know, enables that private sector really to, to, to grow and, and, and flourish. So... You know, it's it's important, I, I think, for people to understand you know, the, the the actual role of a governing body uh, versus um, you know what 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 maybe has has happened in other countries and, mm. and the reasons for um, the, the huge growth that, that we've witnessed throughout Europe. Yeah, and and so you know, someone building a club or they they use their kind of entrepreneurial spirit and they 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 find their their locations and land and, and really they just you know, look to the LTA for support as opposed to expecting, and, and I'm sure you get this a lot where, you know, the LTA are expecting to find you a space, expecting you to, to do many of the things that actually is a responsibility of you, you know, for that private company to, to, to find that location. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, it's certainly not the role of a governing body and, and more importantly, you know, the LTA doesn't do that for tennis. So, mm. you know, seeing these inquiries come in, now it's um, it's simply identifying that there is huge demand for that private sector to, to, to grow, um, and it's you know identifying ways now that um, will enable us to facilitate that growth, um, which might be different from from previous ways of working for tennis. Mm. So yeah, maybe with venue registration, if current practices are not fit for purpose for the the paddle sector. 
mm. we're changing things. We're identifying you know, more innovative ways to support the, this, this growth. And I think a message to to all of those doing that, and, and we we get to have a lot of conversations with people wanting to build, and and you know, unfortunately, the the fault sometimes lands on the shoulders of the LTA when probably it shouldn't. But it's almost uh, uh, be patient, just be patient with the system, and and the same with the coach education, the same with you know the performance track. You know, it's it's relatively new this integration with the LTA, and I think that people are trying to rush it and if you look yeah. at the other countries that have rushed it you would say I don't want to be in their situation when it comes to you know paddle in that in that country so that's probably a good message for those that are wanting to either you know qualify as a coach or, or um, you know play performance level or junior academies or whatever it might be is is, is almost just kind of have a bit more patience do you think yeah I think that's probably the, the key message today that, that, that needs to get out there um, and you know the reason for that I feel is and, and almost what we said at the very beginning you know it's been a bit of a blessing that we've had this time to put put everything in place um, because it comes ultimately it comes down to uh, what participation is and you know you need infrastructure for people to play so you can then record greater greater data and, and, and higher participation with that you know internally I yeah, it's going to be easier for me to kind of fight the, the you know, the paddle fights, mm. um, and ultimately, um, you know, achieve greater investment in, into the space of paddle. But with if you compare participation right now, you know, in paddle to other sports, mm. to tennis, I mean, it's you know, it's a very very low percentage of of total participation, um, and I'm confident that that you know won't be the case very soon. You know, it's probably going to take a few more years for paddle to kind of prove how it can impact. Mm. participation versus tennis mm. and once it is then you know th th there's there's no limit really for, for how paddle um, or where paddle will sit along them alongside those mainstream sports yeah I mean if you look at other countries as a guide you can see that participation you know is a, is a definitely an upward curve so I mean right now we're on about 220 courts is that right something like that yep. you'll know the exact yeah number. I, yeah 224 today 224 I, I, yeah. and it's still at a point where I can manually yeah. kind of <laughs> check. Yeah, yeah keep keep the uh, the pipeline in, in check but but very soon it's going to be you know at a place where it's kind of out of control so therefore we are reliant upon those venues Obviously, if they go through planning permission, ultimately the uh, local authority comes to us asking for comments and whether or not we're supporting the projects. Obviously, we're supporting, uh, you know, all of them. Uh, mm. we, we need more courts, yeah. greater participation. So it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um, but you know, there might be instances whereby you know you're removing an existing tennis court. So you know, we might just quickly identify: Have you considered? The space you know alongside maybe maximizing derelict space mm. um that's not to say we wouldn't support an application that was removing a tennis court it's but let's explore other ways just so mm. that both sports can grow uh, in harmony and and yeah i think it's um it's yeah it's it's going to grow for sure isn't it and yeah i think we're going to see it in you know in especially in this next year or two in probably two ways. One is is tennis clubs now, instead of putting in one paddle, they're saying, right, you know, this, this sport has legs, let's put in three or four, we've got the space, you know, or, yeah. or five or six. And and we will also see that now with this private investment. You know, there's there's lots of projects, you know, I know you're, you're kind of privy to all of them, but that are most likely going to be coming online this year. And I think once we get, 
two, three, four really good examples of, of big indoor clubs, then people, I think, will have an idea of, of what they should be looking for and what, what they would want yeah. to build. I, I mean, when we say you know, the private sector is kind of that dominant force in a lot of other countries, it's because you've got clubs with more courts. They mm. become the hubs for the sport to grow. You can host larger tournaments there, you know, greater for the pathway to host national camps. Um, you know, so th th there's a lot of things you're then able to do and you can justify investment into the sport because you know, you've got the platform to, to, to do it. And, you know, and then taking it back a step to, to your last question, you know, where we are right now, there's 224 courts, where we want to get. But more importantly, what, what does that mean? So once we hit 400 courts, what is that in terms of participation? So mm. I can then kind of justify mm. the data to you know, really kind of fight the, the paddle fights mm. and uh, you know, achieve kind of you know, more opportunities for, for the sport moving forward. And I imagine you know, from 220 to 224 to, to 400, that will almost double <laughs> participation, right? It's almost this certain number of, because it seems like all the courts are full. So if you know, you're doubling courts, you'll be doubling, doubling participation most likely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, participation currently has been measured around the 89,000 mark for, for those playing at least once a year. Uh, monthly, it's obviously significantly less, around the 15,000 mark. But I, I definitely believe that will probably double mm -hmm. uh, by the end of this year. Um, and obviously, yeah, it, it just determined, it's determined upon how quickly infrastructure grows. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I do, you know, Kind of you know, the day job, I'm, I'm seeing what other countries are doing, measuring that that participation data, and just aligning it with how much infrastructure they have. Mm. So more or less, I can see you know, once you get to the sort of 500 court mark, you potentially expect sort of you know half a million in terms of in terms of participation at those playing playing annually. And then suddenly, Christ, you know, that's mm. uh, that's quite a, you know, a an okay percentage if if I'm comparing that. To tennis, mm, which yeah. might have four million active players annually, yeah. um, so so you can see kind of where You're getting, I'm getting more to and more there. backing, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, you know, getting more ammo to kind of fight that, fight the reasoning um, when you request more more support internally. And not wanting to put you on the spot here, Tom, but how many how many courts do you think we'll have by the end of the year? What was your prediction by the end of this? So we did seventy new courts last year, mm. and I anticipate there being a hundred new courts this year. So we ended the year about 220, so mm. we, we should be at 320 by the end of next year. Now, um, you know, if the private sector comes forward, which we're all anticipating, we should probably be around that, about that 400 court mark. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, how it grows, how it evolves. Mm. But the barriers we mentioned at the beginning um, are the variables, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's kind of in between the 300 20 to, mm. to, to 400 court mark at the end so of the year. So this time next year when we do our next podcast, it'll be, you know, we'll be looking at it. You can hold me to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's recorded, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about 2023, uh, you know, moving forward for this year, there's going to be more FIPs, um, more prize money for the competitions. What else are we going to see in this, in the coming year or, or two years that, that's going to help drive the sport? Yeah, I mean, specifically this year, we're going to see a lot of changes. I mean, you know, the, the LTA has, in essence, rebranded. Um, we've got a new paddle logo now, which which you'll see kind of shortly throughout the websites and then all of our events. Um, the events, prize money has doubled um, more international events, so there's FIPs coming in. And 
um, in addition to that, we've um, we've just launched launched a performance program. So for that, we've hired um, a paddle performance manager, who now obviously reports in, into me. And that role is key for developing the entire pathway, identifying opportunities in all age groups, mm. juniors all the way through to the open category, and you know liaising, working with clubs, coaches. So it's you know, developing the workforce, which is important if you want to develop players around the, the, the country um, so so that that's an exciting time I mean it's you know, it's it's going to enable us to really drive and make a difference this year which you know we haven't been able to do in previous years you know not having the resource but you know we didn't have the resource because there wasn't the infrastructure to, to justify mm. you know putting putting that resource forward so the LTA is heavily invested um, in paddle uh, and we're going to start to see that this year mm. and I mean having spoken to the performance manager I think it I think he'll be a great fit I think it's definitely something that that we need and definitely something that will help drive it forward and it's almost probably again just emphasizing a bit of patience because he's not going to suddenly come in and suddenly we're going to have you know junior academies throughout the country and, and it's going to take a little bit of time um, but as these slightly bigger clubs come online I think it lends more potential to having regional camps for for juniors for for seniors for for everyone really yeah exactly i mean you know and, and probably for the next few years we, we spoke about it before this you know the, the time it's going to take the uk to develop you know academies and things you know we, we are still trying to support players you know out in spain and that's actually where we are now yeah, yeah. Uh, at one of the academies so it's and notably you stuck me in the sun here so yeah I'm I was getting, you need getting some fried D. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> we might have to switch sides in a sec um so you know we're, we're looking at spain as, as being a base for, for for a lot of the players that want to you know right now get more experience you know a better training environment mm. um, you know tournaments with that, that are a higher level um, but ultimately, I see that as you know, like we've done in tennis, the LTA, you know, where everyone is you know, now training at the NTC. You know, Twenty years ago, mm. everyone was moving to Spain as well for their training environments yeah. and competition. I mean, you could be in Spain and you know, not have to leave Spain, and you could, if you did well and played futures in, in tennis, you could probably get to about the 300 mm. world ranking. Mm. Um, mark without leaving the country so you know achieving a platform like that uh, will, will you know grow the opportunity to, to to build players and then those players of the, uh, the elite category are you know a real reference point for grassroots and everyone coming coming in so you, you we then want to encourage those players to really be based mm. in the uk and hopefully that's we're only a few years away from that and I really believe that's the case because we, we're already seeing that with other countries. Yeah, I mean, that's what Sweden did, really, wasn't it? They sent their players to Spain and now the players are actually training in Sweden because they've got enough players at that performance level that, that yeah. they can continue to push their game on. And mm. having spent a lot of time in Spain and, and different academies, different coaches, seeing that, I, I do think that this is definitely short term. It's a short term solution for players that want to improve their level now for the yeah. next year or two. But I'm sure, you know, within a couple of years, we're going to have some great coaches in the UK and some great kind of regional training centres. Yeah, definitely. I mentioned it for players, but it's the same for coaches mm. that really want to get experience at a higher level. Um, yeah, there's the opportunity to, to go to Spain or, or other countries, you know, France, Portugal, Italy, you know, they're, they're dominant countries. And now even Netherlands, Belgium are, 
uh, are catching up, and, and obviously Sweden. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a great opportunity. I think the sport of paddling is evolving so quickly. Mm. That's why hopefully this is just an interim approach, and yeah. we're just a few years away of having that kind of competition platform, the training environments mm. for for those you know performance players, uh, as as we've as we're seeing in Sweden. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at the structure of the LTA for tennis, they, you know, it, it is a really solid structure for the competition side. For the coach education, it's known around the world for being one of the better coach education pathways. And it will just be a matter of time until we're able to, to replicate that and to, to have something similar for paddle. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the and this is why when we're in the UK and we're working with really good tennis coaches that we're bringing into paddle, those are my favourite people to work with I just yeah. feel like it's not going to be long and and the same with players you know my brother being one but very good ex-tennis players that want to come across and to do paddle that's what Sweden did so well the yeah. ex-tennis players or ex-college players from, from mm. the states play, already playing doubles and competing suddenly yeah. getting into paddle their level just you know skyrocketed yeah and I mean well we've got you know county week we want everyone from county week to at least give paddle a go exactly. and, and start converting a, a few players there and they don't have to stop tennis right they, they could play both mm. um, but but I think that's that's kind of how we'll get a bit of momentum, yeah, I imagine. And it's another reason, you know, why we've taken a little bit longer potentially to to make sure the content of the coaching courses and the actual pathway is sound. You know, I mean, you've been working on that for us for, for quite a while now. Mm. And, you know, hearing you say that the, the content of the course is really good gives me you know, great confidence. Mm. I was confident that would be the case. Mm. But actually hearing that, that feedback from yourself, you know, t- today um, is... is is, um, I think it's the. I, I mean, I've I've seen all of them. I think it is the best coach competency course. Right. I, I mean, yeah, bar none. At, I mean, at that the says moment, it all coming, coming from yourself, yeah. and you, you've you've been exposed to a lot of the other mm. uh, coaching platforms mm. and pathways that are out there. So, yeah, that, again, I think it's in really good hands. It's definitely got levels to go, and and you know oh, yeah. when we talk about performance coaching things like that, it's it's got some work to do, like further on, but. Mm. For a, a you know the instructor course is is fantastic I think for yeah. for coaches and it was piloted in, in 22 so you know now we're at a position kind of to to, to, to fully launch and mm-hmm. those courses are now going to be rolled out around the country mm-hmm. so again it kind of goes back to your comment everyone's kind of had to be a little bit patient yeah. but they've been patient needed to be patient for a good reason mm-hmm. so we're going to achieve sustainable growth and you know guaranteeing that those coaching courses are. Of, of good quality well i mean if anything they need to be patient on the paddle court as well so this because <laughs> this is like good practice for them isn't it you yeah know? um one last question for you tom if you could give you know one piece of advice to someone that wants to build a paddle club in the uk and again i've just put you on the spot here a little bit but <laughs> what would that piece of advice be um i i would say it obviously identifying where the location is before getting in touch with us so we get a lot of inquiries mm. you know to say I, I want to create a paddle venue help yeah where can I, I just pick your brains yeah I get exactly. that a lot yeah yeah, yeah I, I imagine as well <laughs> so you know it's it's definitely identify where what, what area would would be suitable for for that individual or, or group or um organization um and then you know we have um resources locally to to support those actions so for example with our LTA regional teams we can then support with the planning application. So once you've found that venue, we can be, you know, kind of open the door with maybe a local authority that doesn't know Paddle yet mm. um, and, and, and really be, you know, uh, provide as much supporting resource as possible 
to kind of fast track as much as we can those initial pre-application stages. Mm. And I mean, this feels like one of my tutorial videos on <laughs> on the court here. But but again, it's it's patience for those people, isn't it? Really, <laughs> you know, like if you're dealing with councils or you're you're working to try and find the land and you're working with support with the LTA, like like patient. Yeah. If you take one thing from this podcast, it's be patient. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just the case for, um, you know, local authority. I mean, a lot of individuals are looking to existing warehouses. Mm. And quite often the warehouse may have a different license that's not leisure and sport. And so change of use. Change yeah. of use isn't straightforward mm. where, you know, a landlord might be reluctant to, to allow you to do that. So you might mm. spend a long time trying to find a suitable venue and then you're running into those... Um, you know, issues later on. So there's quite a few variables. Mm. Again, it's it's just, you know, yeah, emphasizing what you've just said, it's, it's being patient and we will help and facilitate that growth as much as we can. Well, hopefully we're sitting here in, in this time next year in, in Alicante in this beautiful weather <laughs> with 500 paddle courts in the UK and, and already on our, our upward curve. Yes. So um, Tom, thank you very much for this episode and an absolute pleasure as always. Pleasure, thank you. <laughs>